Today on the One Upbeat. As the Cinematic Sound Radio Network turns 25 this year, we're going to do a retrospective of game music from 25 years ago, 1996. This is our biggest episode ever. You'll hear music from two dozen games across this series of episodes, with composing ranging from Koji Kondo to Nathan McCree and many, many more. Get ready. Here we go. Welcome back to the One Upbeat. My name is Eric Silver, and we have a massive show for you this time. As I mentioned in the intro, Cinematic Sound Radio turns 25 this year, and I thought it would be interesting to do a deep dive into that year, since it was such a profound year in gaming as well. The same year CSR was born, so were many major game series, one legendary game console, and some other amazing games in longer-running series. This will be a four-part episode. Part 1 here will start by looking at games from series that began in 1996. Part 2 will go into the launch of the Nintendo 64. And Part 3 will look at some other favorites of mine from 1996. Then, if you're really itching for more 1996, you can look at Part 4, where we'll come back around and listen to two more from each topic in the first three parts. Altogether, we'll be looking at 24 games total from 1996. So let's get started on this topic. New series started in 1996. We'll be going in date order since this is not a best of list, more of a journey through the year. With that, we end up starting with one of the biggest series on the planet even 25 years later. Pokemon Red and Green versions were released on February 27, 1996. It was during a time when the Game Boy was starting to get a big long in the tooth. Now everyone knows what ended up happening with Pokemon becoming one of the biggest media properties on the planet and still a monster to this day. The real story of Pokemon as a fad, quote-unquote, is how it's managed to endure all this time. Even before 2016's Pokemon Go made Pokemon a phenomenon again, Pokemon was still a huge seller in terms of games, toys, and as a cartoon. I think most people know about the difference between red and green in Japan and red and blue here, but just to repeat for the uninitiated. Red and green were the original versions released in February of 1996. In October of the same year, an updated version called Pokemon Blue was released for subscribers of Korokoro Magazine. That upgraded Pokemon Blue was what was used as the base for Pokemon Red and Blue versions worldwide in 1998. So basically, Japan did the beta testing for the rest of us. I mentioned that Pokemon released as Game Boy was getting a little long in the tooth. That cannot be understated. Game Boy was losing relevancy after being on the market for 7 years. Pokemon gave the console a jolt of popularity until it was replaced in 2001 by the Game Boy Advance and ultimately selling 118 million units between the different configurations of the handheld. The original Pokemon music was composed by series programmer Junichi Masuda. This was still during a time when programmers would also compose tunes for the game. Just about all of the original Pokemon music is legendary, setting the template for the series going forward. Nowadays, Masuda is part of the board of directors at developer Game Freak. He's been an extremely prominent person in Pokemon, serving as director, producer, and more throughout the series' 25 years. As much as I love the original chiptune music from the Game Boy, I really love this medley performed by Jagmo. I'm pretty sure we've played their music before on the show. They're the Japan Game Music Orchestra. All the arrangements they do are really fantastic. Here's music from Pokemon Red and Green, composed by Junichi Masuda.
A month after Pokemon, on March 22, 1996, another mega-hit series was born, Biohazard, released for Sony's PlayStation. Again, for the uninitiated, the name in the U.S. for Biohazard is Resident Evil. The project was headed by industry legend Shinji Mikami, who also served as director of the game. The original Resident Evil game was released over and over and over again throughout the years, including on Sega Saturn, Windows, Nintendo DS, and digital stores as parts of the PlayStation version. This is in addition to re-releases of the game, including the Director's Cut, Director's Cut DualShock version, and the beloved remake for GameCube. The DualShock version is particularly infamous for its soundtrack. It was composed by the notorious Mamoru Samagorochi, who was a rising star at the time. It wasn't until years later that it was revealed that he faked being deaf and didn't even write his own music, almost all of which was written by Takashi Nigaki. Even so, most people don't like the DualShock version soundtrack compared to the original, which was done by Makoto Tomozawa, Koichi Higuroki, and Masami Ueda. The music is a perfect example of ambient tunes enhancing a game's mood and accompanying the events on screen. I know some people like to listen to it on its own, but it's never really been my thing. I say that hoping it's understood that I don't want to take away how important it is to the game itself and its effectiveness in-game. Today we're going to play an orchestral version of the Japanese version ending song. The English version had a different ending song. The orchestral version is from the 1999 album simply called Biohazard Orchestra Album. Effective name, huh? The piece was omitted when the album came to the U.S. as Resident Evil Orchestra Album. It was recorded by the New Japan Philharmonic Orchestra under the direction of Kim Hung Jae. Here's music from Resident Evil.
The most charming depiction of war that you've ever seen, Metal Slug, was released April 19, 1996. It's a side-scrolling run-and-gun game by SNK for the Neo Geo. It's charming in how damn good the hand-drawn sprite graphics are. Very cartoony, very animated, but it's a great time. It spawned six main series sequels and a whole ton of side games, including an upcoming tactical role-playing game coming in 2022 for Windows and Nintendo Switch. You know, I never thought I'd have more to say about the music of Resident Evil than I would Metal Slug. I think you can get a great feel for the style of the game just by listening to the music. It kind of sums it up very succinctly. It's upbeat and keeps pushing you forward to win. Today we'll play the main theme and the ending theme. The version of the ending theme is interesting. Metal Slug is a co-op game that's more fun to play as such. When you beat the game with it with the two players, you can get a different ending music than you would if you played solo. The piece is called Hold You Still. When you play the PlayStation and Saturn versions of Metal Slug, you get a vocal version of the song. We're going to play that version today. It's just so aspiring and, and feel good. Definitely a change from Resident Evil. Here's the music from Metal Slug, composed by Takushi Hiyamuta.
APM Music offers limitless potential for your creative content. No matter the genre or mood, all the music you need is on one platform. And you don't have to worry about licensing. APM's got that covered. Need help finding the perfect track? APM's dedicated music directors can deliver curated options designed specifically for your creative vision. APM's website uses best-in-class search technology, so finding the perfect track is easier than ever. Find your sound at apmmusic.com. The 90s were the era of the video game mascot. Nintendo had Mario, Sega had Sonic, and for a time, Sony's PlayStation had Crash Bandicoot. Crash has since ended up under the ownership of the very sarcastically beloved Activision, where they recently did a remaster of the first three games, Crash Team Racing, and developed a fourth main series Crash Bandicoot game. Before Crash's recent renaissance, Crash was but an unassuming new 3D platformer, that really helped push the PlayStation forward as a prominent 3D console and helped developer Naughty Dog become a household name before today being most likely in the top three game developers in the world. The music is very unassuming as well, just simple catchy tunes to accompany the grand adventure Crash embarks on to stop the evil Dr. Neo Cortex. The music was composed by Josh Mansell. Mansell composed this while working with Mutato Musica, which was founded by Mark Mothersborough. And because of this, he often gets incorrectly credited with composing the music of Crash. Mansell would go on to finish the Naughty Dog-developed Crash games and continue to work with Naughty Dog on the Jack and Daxter trilogy on PlayStation 2. The music is so goofy, but so catchy. I've had the Jungle Rollers music stuck in my head since playing the demo disc way back when those were a thing. I'm sure you'll feel the same. Here's music from Crash Bandicoot by Josh Mansell. <laughs>
Though the first Persona game, Revelations Persona, released for the PlayStation 25 years ago on September 20th, 1996, I feel like the series only came into mainstream prominence about 10 or so years ago. Maybe that's just the case of mainstream gaming taking off more and more around the time as well. Persona, people often forget, is a spin-off series of Shin Megami Tensei, which is still itself going strong, with a fifth main series entry releasing just a few weeks before this episode's recording in 2021. Persona has its own side games, and as such, it's gained popularity over the years. But one thing has remained through all of it, the piece Aria of the Soul. It's the piece we're going to play for you today, pulled from the Persona 20th Anniversary concert. It's become a musical mainstay in the series the whole time. I wouldn't necessarily call it a main theme as much as a constant that keeps the series consistent as each main series game has sported a different style. The piece was composed by series sound designer Shoji Meguro, who only this past year in 2021 left Atlas to become a freelancer. He's done tons of work on Persona and other Atlas games like Trauma Center, Shin Megami Tensei, and Catherine since joining the studio in 1995. Here's Aria of the Soul from Revelations Persona, as performed by the Tokyo Chamber Orchestra under the direction of Kenichi Shimura.
that time again as we bid farewell until part two on the one upbeat. But before that, we'll hit one more game. One of the PlayStation's most famous games and a series that survives to this day as well is Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider released first on October 25th, 1996 for the Sega Saturn in Europe. That might be surprising for a lot of people since it's such a PlayStation synonymous series early on, but it's true. It wasn't until a month later during the North American release that Tomb Raider came to DOS and PlayStation. The game is famous for its realism, one of the first more mainstream female protagonists, and its sense of adventure. One thing that I never really knew it for was its music. A lot of times when I research for these lists, I come across games like Tomb Raider with a more realistic style, and I realize I don't really know anything about the scores. They usually just blend into the background of the game, and other aspects take center stage instead in the minds of players. I always check them out anyway, and they're usually ambient synths and things like that that I'm really not interested in. So you can imagine my surprise when I listen to Nathan McCree's score to the first Tomb Raider. The score is said to be strongly influenced by the English classical music that McCree's father would listen to. He wrote the score in four weeks and with very little reference on what the heck he was actually writing for. What he came up with was a very surprising and sophisticated score. You'll hear recognizable themes and lots of diversity in the orchestration. Of course, this music was written with an orchestra in mind, and it wasn't possible to record with one in 1996 for many reasons. Fast forward 20 years, and Mr. McCree was able to put it on a fantastic live performance of music from the first three games in London, performed by the Royal Philharmonic Concert Orchestra and conducted by Robert Ziegler. The great reception to the concert led to a Kickstarter campaign to get the arrangements recorded for release. This was a huge success, and in 2017, they recorded live at Abbey Road Studios with Ziegler and the Royal Philharmonic. The music's available in all sorts of ways and many formats. Just do a search online for the Tomb Raider Suite and check it out. We're going to play the Tomb Raider medley, one of three on the album, just a small tease until you go out and buy it. This is really the right way to listen to this music. It's the only way justice is done to the compositions. Sure, there's nostalgic value for people who played the game 25 years ago, but it was always meant to be heard this way, I believe. Please enjoy the Tomb Raider medley from Tomb Raider, composed by Nathan McCree, and we'll catch you next time for part two of our series as we cover the launch of the Nintendo 64. See you then.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the show, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter, at Cinematic Sound on Facebook, and from wherever you're listening to us today, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Reviews help introduce potential new listeners to the show. While you're at it, head over to TeePublic to find yourself a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt and support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net.